Hey, here we are, everybody. Episode number 64 of the Bender Blend Podcast. On this episode, we had a special guest, Brooke Monroe. He's a film composer here in San Luis Obispo. Um, Brooke is a very talented dude. Uh, Go check out his music. He's on Spotify under Brooke Monroe. Just search that in the search bar. It's spelled B-R-O-O-K-M-U-N-R-O. And he's on Instagram at Brooke Monroe. Uh, He's got a link for one of the movies he just worked on called Sarah. That link is in his bio on Instagram. Check it out. Uh, Very talented man and really fun to talk to. Gabby and I had a great time. He has a lot of cool insight into that world of film scoring. And uh, you guys are really going to enjoy this episode. Uh, Go support his music. Go check out the movies he's worked on. And uh, definitely want to have Brooke back on. Uh, Thanks for your time, Brooke. Everybody enjoy this episode. We did for sure. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for listening. Here we go. I've got a pretty much an hour that I'm I'm okay. free to do, and then I've got some other commitments. But um, that is time, perfect. You have my That's attention. Perfect. All right, we are rolling here. Um, welcome, Brooke Monroe, to the Bender Blend. Thanks for being here, man. Hey, thank you guys. I really appreciate you guys having me out. <laughs> um, so let's we'll get a little background on you um my first question would be when did you start playing music and what was your first instrument uh that's an easy one i started playing guitar at the the age of 14 right at the age of 14 i i started playing guitar okay guitar at 14 um do you do you remember what made you start playing music? Was it? Like- oh yeah, it was uh, Blink One Eighty Two and Green Day. <laughs> oh hell yeah, nice. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that that there's just, there's no there's no hidden meaning behind that other than those were what I was rocking at that time, and those were the bands that I felt like I wanted to learn how to play the songs, and it turned out their songs were pretty damn simple to learn. And so yeah. I think there yeah. was a sense of Three empower. Cool. Absolutely. You, you know, you're <laughs> yeah. these little DJ simple riffs, the whole time. <laughs> you know, and as, as, it, 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 yeah. as, as I've gotten older, I've learned um, to appreciate those albums in a different sense because, you know, they're so melody driven and they're so, I mean, they're so hook driven and they're not hard. They're very simple, but sometimes the, the most simplistic things are, are uh, not always the easiest things to, to, to create so uh, i've i've had a, a massive appreciation um ever since i was that age of 14 which oh my god it's 20 years now <laughs> amazing like that makes it flies by really old i know I, I was thinking about that too i was like i was 18 18 years ago that's yeah. really weird <laughs> like oh you were you where to go oh my goodness 20 years still feels like i'm in my 20s but yeah, that was not, that's not accurate. <laughs> no, let's do the math. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry, that'll catch up to you. That will be yeah. true. No. There will be truth in that statement at at some point for you. Oh, yeah, um, that's awesome. Green. Yeah, I and my buddy just sent me a, an old video of Blink One Eighty Two, like writing their song. It was they had to be. It was high school. And it was, so I don't know how they got the video. I think one of the guys released the video of like, Hey, here's one of our first sessions. And it was Tom singing and, and my buddy Clint sent it to me. Cause he's like, dude, you do a spot on impression of Tom Delonge's <laughs> vocals. I'm like, Oh yeah. And it, and it like isolates his vocals. It's like, where are you? And it's like, yeah, it's right there. Like, that's yeah, yeah, but with all love, it's I really love. Really sad singing. <laughs> hey, Cheshire Cat and Dude Dude Ranch were two of my favorites. Oh my gosh, Dude Ranch! I just remember with Dude Ranch, I was uh, in my car, or not my car, but my parents' car. I, I would split time between my mom and my dad's, and on my on the weekends, I go to my dad's, and I just remember playing that CD, you know, to death. Uh, dude yeah. ranch and just think, and you know, so and there's so much energy and angst in there, and I'm just sitting in the car. Yeah kind of bored <laughs> yeah. out of my, oh my mind goodness. but like you just feel like oh gosh I just, as soon as you get home you just plug that guitar and turn it up and have your mom yelling at you turn it down <laughs> <laughs> that's 
that's yeah that's that is i love that that's such a good like yeah because i think that was a lot of introduction to music for a lot of people is like hearing your favorite band and be like i maybe i could learn guitar (laughs) exactly and just just play the album over and over Mm -hmm. pretty much my mom was like it's all the same (laughs) after like six months of playing the same song out loud oh i was really proud too i told my dad because my dad grew up uh listening to the clash and the ramones and seeing those bands play live you know x and all these really great seminal punk rock bands i'm going to my dad's like dad i'm into punk rock showing them blink 182 and mxpx nice and and, you know and then he kind of informed me that uh um maybe what my assumption of punk rock was um didn't align with what his definition of punk rock was uh but thankfully i was able to accept the fact that you know it's it's just a it's a little bit different and uh you know it's all punk rock to me so i'm that's you know, right. I'm not a yep. hater. No, yeah, it's yeah. I used to be, and then you get over, and then you grow up, and you're like, ah, whatever. People like what they like. Um, Gabby, do you have any questions for Brooke right away? I've right, got a whole list. Right but. away. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm ready for the philosophical questions yeah, later. I on. love those. Okay. <laughs> like yeah. 15 minutes, we're gonna break down your brain. We well, <laughs> and our own brains. We always do that. We always try and start like a little, like you know, just a little formal, and then ease into the not so formal um like is it the reverse <laughs> probably yes see it's already down yep we've already just it's back you're, ready. So you're, um, you're in you're in it now that's right <laughs> can't get out of it <laughs> um so i guess my my next question so you you've been playing music a while and what got you into com- film composing um that's yeah because that that seems like a hard thing to get into and make a and going from yeah. like punk rock to um film composing seems like such a such a leap of um of genre it really is and <laughs> yeah well said gabby yes that is right you're welcome so- thank you <laughs> So, so for me, getting into film scoring was not entirely in, intentional. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I played in bands for the large part of my musical um, career. Let's call it, if we want to call it that. But yeah, I played. I played in bands, um, and the last band that I played in, I was in that band. Uh, I started the band uh, with some of my best friends and continue to play in that band that uh called the mighty fine and we performed um not only locally to our area of san Luis Obispo, but uh, you know we were able to do west coast tours we did one u.s tour um but a lot of a lot of regional tours uh playing down southern california a lot up in the bay area a lot we'd go up um you know to portland and uh nice. seattle to vegas uh quite a bit and you know that that was really fun and and we really worked hard to make um punk rock alt rock music that we wanted to play and i think finally on our last record um which is called brothers and smugglers um we recorded that in 2013 and in 2014 we released it um but we'd already been playing together for gosh about seven years and i think at that point thank you yeah it was and at that point most of us had full-time jobs on top of that and so just like every waking moment while we were not at our day jobs we were playing music and just committed to it and it's very diy while we did have some some local not local but we had some uh record labels uh that put out our last couple of releases they were independent labels so you know there wasn't like they were just floating us a bunch of cash <laughs> rather yeah. you know they were <laughs> right. they they you know they covered the you know they were gracious enough to cover you know the production costs on vinyl records and CDs uh getting things yeah. set up for the digital market and you know that was awesome and we we were able to you know on our last record is finally the one record uh, I had never produced or, or been part of a record that I made 
that I was entirely proud of. And finally, with that record, I was so happy with it. And oh, that's, uh, a, that's a good feeling. <laughs> but we still had to shop that record around for a little bit. So in that yeah. time, by the time we it was time for us to um, put it out, you know, we'd played a bunch and we finally put it out we were just exhausted and i think <laughs> I bet. you know you and it, yeah you give it your all and then you just kind of you know we're also all in a different phase of life we were all getting you know a lot of us were getting married none of us had kids yet but we knew that that was going to be on the horizon and i think we also knew that we were kind of an all-in kind of band so we knew that we probably weren't going to be we were going to do everything that we could within the the confines of um, not making it our only career, but doing that on top of our actual day jobs that in order to, you know, in order to get to the next level, there probably would be a lot of financial sacrifices (laughs) to do that. And I don't think any of us at that point were in a place where we wanted to quit our jobs and, um, and, and do the whole touring thing all the time. And, and live that life. And so we basically all kind of mutually decided that, you know, um, we weren't going to play for a while. And I, I always told myself I was only going to play music and play in a band for as long as I was passionate for it. And by the end of that, I, I recognized that my passion for it wasn't fueling my desires the way that it had for all those years prior And ultimately I decided I needed to not play music for a while. I needed Mm. to kind of detach from that. Uh, I wanted to read more. I wanted to watch more films. I grew up, I have, you know, my relationship with my mom, um, a lot of our closest moments with each other is predicated on the fact that we, went to the movies all the time growing up. Um, You saw a lot of movies together and, and, you know, that's a rich in my own history. And so just kind of getting back to that, going to the theaters more often. And I found myself being at home, just watching movies that I owned all my DVDs, my Blu-rays and watching behind the scenes. And it was kind of at that moment Mm. that something started happening. I started really watching more than the movies themselves. I was watching all of these uh, behind the scenes um, yeah. uh, clips and, and, and movies that about how these films were made. And I was really captivated by everything that went into storytelling. I, I really just didn't know about, and I could relate to it in a way of that, you know, when you put out a record, it's more than just writing the song and putting the record out, you know, it, it takes a lot to craft a song it takes a lot to produce the song to get that sounding the way that you need it to sound there's a lot of people involved in that and uh there's a collaborative process to it and so i i I knew i wanted to get into filmmaking i just didn't know i didn't know what i could do you know i didn't want to be a director i i feel i don't have any technical understanding of how cameras work and i didn't really want to dive into that i'm not an actor i'm, I'm not really a writer so, gosh what what is my calling in all of this um and at the same time i was listening to this uh podcast about the music of uh john williams and I'm I'm a huge Star Wars fan. I'm a I, you know Star Wars has been a, an integral part of my life since I was uh, a, a very young age, and the music has always moved me in a way that really no other music has. Even the my favorite bands and my favorite albums, and it was at that moment that I realized that you know maybe I could I could learn how. <laughs> how to write like yeah. John Williams, which is, you know, that's a tall order. Even now it's a, it's a insanely tall order to think that you could do something like a master, like, uh, like John Williams. But I, I think ultimately I started looking at all these films that I really loved and looking at all the composers behind it. And then I realized, you know, how much music that I loved that was from Danny Elfman and from mm. Hans Zimmer 
And I look at Danny Elfman and Hans Zimmer, and while they themselves have their own musical tastes and and you know approaches to to writing, one thing that I found out was both of them were, or neither of them were classically trained. Right. Neither of them knew uh, how the orchestra worked when they were you know playing in bands. They were both in kind yeah. of like new wave bands. Yeah, Oingo Boingo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you hear oh Oingo God, Boingo. I forgot about and, that. And Danny Elfman and and people are like, "Wait, that's that guy?" It's like, "Yeah, that." <laughs> totally and then even... and then for me it was I didn't know, but cuz I I grew up watching the Batman animated adventures and he did the right. and then obviously the Batman movies and and the Simpsons and I was like, "What?" And then my I think my brother was like, "Oh yeah, that guy was in this band, you know, I was struck by light." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> like yeah, how did he jump from that to that's awesome like yeah. how diverse how cool yeah <laughs> yeah and that's that's kind of what it was and and so what i tell people is oftentimes when they ask me i would say john williams inspired me to write music for film to be a storyteller but it was hans zimmer and it was danny elfman who gave me the courage and the belief in myself that i could do it because I related to them because they were given opportunities early on when they didn't have really any right to get into that kind of music other than, you know, they, they had written, they'd been part of something else that resonated with someone and they thought, gosh, you know, I'll take a leap of faith and I'll have you try this, try this. And they felt, they fell in love with it. And that was for me, really where the catalyst was and those are you know my heroes in that sense because i felt like i could do this um i'm not going to do it like them my journey is going to be completely different than theirs and that's also kind of the fun part of all of this is that there's no real one way that you become a film composer Mm. and you know, sure, you can go to school, you can go to USC, you can go to the Berkeley mm-hmm. College College of Music. But even then, you know, you're not guaranteed a job. You're, yeah. not, guaranteed, you're not guaranteed the next Superman film. <laughs> like, you know, it's not like, oh, I want to do that. It's incredibly hard work. And that was then that opened Pandora's box of, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to write this kind of music i know how to write this i know how to write in the bubble of you know alternative rock hardcore um classic rock and punk rock like that's an indie rock like you know kind of basically if there's four people in a band i can write that kind of music yeah but narrative you know storytelling in a musical form when every film that you work on is different is a whole different ball game and I was just getting started. Yeah. Well, from what I've heard and listened to, I, I just binged your music today. Um, you're really good at it. Yeah, <laughs> so well done. Cause I, I didn't, I know nothing about the films and I know um, one of them is like premiering tonight. Right. Sarah, Sarah. Yeah. Sarah's oh. premiering. Right. Okay. Um, which yeah, we'll definitely steer everybody towards that, and then obviously towards your music too. We definitely want to prop you up there because it. But I remember I was playing it like a couple hours ago and just going like I it it is so you do such a good job of doing the mood the mood and and I write the scene in my head based on it and I was like this kind of feels like I this would be this scene yeah and. So to me, it's like that's you're a success at that because you are good at setting a mood and telling a story and giving people a chance to tell their own story in their head based on your music. Um, Thank you. That's def- yeah. that's definitely a, I, I I haven't thought of it that way, but I think there is <laughs> some truth to you experiencing that in the sense that I when I write the music, my soul job really should be to write the music to make sure it complements the film right right? more than anything else Mm. i cannot write something that sounds cool but doesn't fit the scene it gets rejected 
Yeah, um, I, I can't yeah. write something solely on like, oh, this would sound cool if I just listened to this. And yeah. I have to, if I assume that, oh, you know, this is going to be something fun that someone can listen to on Spotify, but it mm -hmm. doesn't, it's not anchored in the truth of the story and where the story is headed towards, um, I fail. But if I rely on my true north, which is usually my director, uh, who has an incredibly clear vision, he or she can guide me in into what they're looking for, emotionally speaking, pacing wise, uh, you know, what's is there action to it? Is there, um, you know, an uncomfortableness to it? Once I have that, I, I, I think I do subliminal, subliminally start to think about how if I was going to listen to this on Spotify and yeah. put it, put it, put it in my you know record player without watching something, can I pull off something that could move you in that way so you don't need the picture? And I think that's. Mm -hmm that's a huge part of it um, because you are storytelling. Mm -hmm. If there's going to be music in, um, in a scene or for a scene, it needs to have a purpose within that scene. It needs to support from point A to point B to point C what's happening on screen. And if it's not doing that, there should be, if it's not adding to the scene, there shouldn't be any music. So, in a lot of ways, when you listen to a piece of music that's um, being written, it should evolve, it should change, it should move. And at the same time, there should be threading from one track to the next because it all lives within the same world of that, that story or that film. That, yeah, that is, yeah, that is, that answered so many of my questions I already wrote down. So, and <laughs> oh my God, I'm so I, sorry. The, the podcast yeah, is so good. You're so good. You're too good. Um, well, and I'd also add to that, that despite my, like, it also made me want to go watch the movies and, and, and cause that's part of the fun too, of listening to your music was, I bet he nailed it on this, like, just cause the emotion and the melody, like, so it, it intrigued me. I was like, all right, well, I, now I got to go watch these movies. Um, so that, that I would definitely add that to that comment I made about not, not just writing my own scenes in my head based on the feel of it, but also being like, I now I got to go see how this lines up with these movies. Absolutely. And, and oh, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, you know, that's, that's always a hope too, is that, someone oftentimes at least at this stage in my career there's more of a chance that someone is going to hear my music first before they see the film mm -hmm. and so there is the hope that when they discover the music that they will be curious enough to want to see the film and how it plays out in the film uh, because i do that there's a lot of yeah. film yeah. scores that i have fallen in love with that i've either never seen the 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 film mm -hmm. or i'll eventually see the film and it's always really intriguing because i fall in love with the music and i have my own kind of like what you're saying you have your own relationship with it and you have your own kind of a, in your imagination what you might expect, expect to happen here and then when you see it on the screen sometimes it, those feelings that you have towards that music are supported by what you're watching and other times yeah. like, oh my yeah. gosh this yeah. is this is so much cooler than anything I was coming up with in my head, mainly because, you know, oftentimes people who make films are really brave people. They're <laughs> people that have to be secure enough in their ideas and in their creative process to want to put themselves out there. And that's a really yeah. hard, hard thing Gosh. to do. We are as as film creators we are often putting ourselves in really vulnerable positions. Every time I submit a piece of music, yeah. you know, there's a little bit of take a deep breath and <laughs> hope for the sure. best. And, you know, for me, I, I, by the time I submit a piece of music for a cue for a scene, I have to have already really uh, been emotionally connected to it. I have to 
in my process judge that I think it's a good piece of music. If I don't believe it's going to be a, if it's a strong enough piece, 99 out of a hundred times, the person I'm sending it to is also going to say, no, this is not working for me. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of times where you send, submit something and you think you nailed it and you realize that, Oh, actually, you know, and most directors that I've worked with are, are awesome and are, you know, how they give me my feedback. They say, well, this is a beautiful piece of music or this is a really stunning uh, um, approach to what you're doing. I admire the way you did this and this, um, but we need to focus our efforts on the emotional underpinnings of this. Maybe we need, maybe the music is a little too much at times or sometimes I take the other approach and, you know, it's like, oh gosh, you know, this theme seems like it needs to be a little more simple. And they're like, no, we need it more intense. We need it more in your face. Uh, you add it and then you get another note back. Okay. We need it even more intense. And like, oh. So you start thinking and you have to trust that they know what they are doing because they right. are the ones executing um, their mission. And all I am there yeah. to do is to support that in the best way that, that I can for them. Now, as a, as a, as, cause I worked, we met originally from a, from a short film production. Um, and before then I had had experience working as a PA for, for in, in independent productions, but we would buy licensed music already. How do you, I have so many questions because my favorite genre of music is, is, um, film uh, scores. I listen to films scores as my daily regiment. It's my favorite. And how, I guess for people figuring it out or, or trying to figure it out, trying to understand it, how do you create the music for a scene in the first place? Do you watch the scene over and over again? And then do you, for me, I'm like, I, I, we have another segment for the podcast called, um, music munchies. And I wanted to create that as a way of like kind of talking about the physiological effect of music. I have a different, I have, um, kind of, I don't, I don't know if it's called, I don't think it's called anything anyway. You but can make it up now. I'll make it up. Yeah, I'll make it I'll a thing now. <laughs> Im- imagery setting. There you go. <laughs> imagery setting. I love it. Or something like that. Yeah. I'll listen to, I'll listen to music and I'll put a music video or, a, or, or images to it. My brain just works in a way that I'll put pictures to it. That's Similar beautiful. to, I, I, I can't remember like, um, the, the name of it. Um, but how people can see colors with sound. I see pictures. Uh, I think it's called synesthesia, synesthesia, something Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And I, um, (laughs) I, I kind of have like the opposite of, I think the opposite effect of a film composer where I'll listen to a piece of music and I'll, and I'll visualize pictures. I'll see pictures and, and, um, and scenes and kind of construct my own little, um, 3d world around that. How do you construct a, a a a a film score around like maybe a specific scene or like a, like what what's your process? I'm dying to know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so th- there's of course no simple answer to this, um, and in fact, there's probably two schools of thought or two approaches that most composers, including myself, face. Um, and I'll just break this down as simply as I can. Uh, usually the composer gets involved later in the process when the film is in um, post-production, meaning it's already been filmed and, you know, they're editing it and then you get a, uh, a, a cut, you know, it's an edited, you know, some kind of maybe not complete or, or locked cut, but some kind of rough cut that that you might get and uh at which point you then have a spotting session uh with the director uh some directors are able to and like to get the composer um in earlier even as early as the script level so they can have the composer write music based off of the story that they're reading and then they can start producing some demos and some music that way that 
the director can then have some creative and thematic materials that they can work off of. And that sometimes inspires how they handle the, um, the filming process and the editing process. Um, I, I don't, I don't get to work that way as much as I would like to. And so we have to probably talk more about, you know, getting involved a little bit later in the process uh, where we have the spotting session. This is where the director then meets with the composer, um, usually in person. Uh, it's been a little more challenging uh, this past year uh, with the pandemic. We're able to do it, thankfully, through Zoom meetings as well. And mm -hmm. what you do is you watch the film. I usually like to watch it before. They usually send it to me before we have the spotting session. So I can start creating my own notes and, and just mm -hmm. kind of have a sense of, even without them telling me anything, just a vibe that I can kind of live with for a little bit, even if it's a day or two. Yeah. And so we'll... We will get together, we'll chat, and this is where the director will start talking about the scenes and really the scenes in particular that need to have music. Now, sometimes these cuts that I receive already have music, and hmm. uh, the music that's huh. in there is temporary music, otherwise known as temp music. Okay. Is so, it to create the mood? Exactly. So what okay. it is, is it's usually uh, for for directors that, that use temp music, they they really like to have the editors use the temp music to establish pacing, to establish emotional underpinnings um, that they need to convey. And so they're used as markers for the um, for the editors. And then when I get the film and we start watching it, you know, sometimes there is temp music in there. Having temp music is really, it, it can be really challenging sometimes. <laughs> I'm not going to lie because directors can sometimes establish some temp love. This is where right. they're like, I, Right. I really want the saxophone on this to stay. Exactly. This 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 sax be. motif <laughs> has to be. We have to create something that's much like this, and so that puts a lot of pressure on creating your own identity for that film. So how do you? And usually, when you listen to a, or you know, you're watching this film, it's not just music from one sound other soundtrack. It's like an amalgamation of various soundtracks from different films that all put together. So the, the challenge there is to really synthesize why they chose that music and then try not to listen to it ever again mm -hmm. to okay. really understand. Yeah. I was going to ask if it creates a bias hmm. in your composure or, or, or composure, compose, com composition. <laughs> on, on the composition, it certainly can. Um, I think ultimately it is it does serve as a guide though you know if if that's the flavor that they're going for if it's a really synth heavy score and they tempt it with a bunch of synth heavy 80s you know um you know vibing stuff whether it's like right. a blade runner thing or a like a stranger right. things kind of thing then you kind of right. know they probably want something in vain of that mm. um now there's there are times where you can say, Hey, you know, this is a really cool thing. Have you can, and as a composer, I can say, have you considered blending that with some other kind of things that can still hit your emotional parts and your action parts and your pacing parts that you really need to do in your storytelling. But oftentimes that, that is part of the, the challenge is, is just understanding what it is that they're looking for, what it is that they are trying to say through that temp music. Um, and, and usually I, I, sometimes it is, you know, you have to really just not listen to it <laughs> after it's in there um, because it is so on the nose and you don't want to write something that someone has already written. And I tell this to, to directors all the time, 
that that use the temp music it's it's just like a kind of like a hey you know just as a reminder this music works great for the scene that you that you've picked here but that music was not written for your scene we need to establish something that is crafted that is unique to your film and in order to do that at certain part you know there there's a certain level of detachment that we have to accept um so we can establish a sonic landscape that is true to your film on the the kind of the flip side to that is i'll get an edit and it, and there is no music to it and they've either no. edited they either there's too much to do yeah. exactly and so sometimes they've either they've either edited to music and then taken the music out for me to watch so i have my own interpretation or yeah. a lot of times they just do their you know without music they've come up with their own natural pacing that works for them that feels good for them and yeah. to do that um you know there's a lot more freedom involved you know there's a little a lot more wiggle room but at the same time sometimes that it takes it might take a little bit longer to establish totally. what the what the tone is because if the you know and every director works differently some are very music conscious and so right. they may even if they don't have temp music in there they may say you know we don't have temp music in here but we want it to be an orchestral driven score you know no synthesizers no sound design no you know guitars we're we're doing you know we're doing violins violas and flutes right cool like you know that's 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 yeah, awesome that, let's, yeah okay let's, let's, yeah, that, that let's sounds do, a lot like yeah sorry sorry no it's okay it's just like it's that's it that's you know that's the job um and other yeah. times the director's like you know this is the emotional part i want here this is what i want here this is what i want here go have fun Gosh. and that's almost the scariest of them it's okay. like I was just going to ask you, like, do you have a preference on, and I, it's obviously going to be nuanced and different with every director, but I, I'm sure you've, you find your own groove, but is there, is there one flavor that you're like, it's, you know, do you have a preference? Like I, I want a director that can get what I'm after, but also not like hold the reins too hard or is it, or do you like the pressure of like, I need you to come up with something get you know like i think i don't know I, that's a great that's a great question i don't know if i've ever thought of that uh really because every you know once the next project comes to me my biggest concern is just making sure that we've established a communication basis an infrastructure so i understand okay. how what they expect from me and they yeah. know how i work Aside from that, I don't really have a preference, honestly. My preference is just making sure that, you know, when I send something to them that in a timely manner, if we have a pretty strict deadline, that I get feedback in time. Yeah, yeah, and, and, absolutely. And, and that we have, and, and that we have a really constructive, um, oh goodness, uh, constructive spotting sessions. Mm. that the spotting sessions that we're asking the right questions and those questions are often hey you know they might point to having music here having music there and you're just you know wanting to make sure that you understand why they want the music there um you know why is it important what would happen if the music wasn't there um wow. and and in order for that to happen because one thing that I'll say real quick too is that I often think about it when they send me something and they say, I want music here, want music here, music here. I ask myself too, like, should there be music? I've sold the idea of silence in parts where they've wanted music before, because that's mm. actually much stronger than having music right after a big musical part, right after another big musical part, you need your audience to breathe sometimes and the best yeah. way for them to do that is to pull the music back let the audience come it allows the audience to lean forward a little bit more um because at that point you can let your actors really do 
what they do best and and that's to help yeah. tell that story yeah that i love i love that point because there's i watched i'm a movie hound because we grew up which it's not to be like oh we were oppressed by our parents. but my parents were like <laughs> we can watch movies and read books but we didn't have tv which was in the end i was like i'm thankful for that because we watched i watched a shit ton of movies and my friends know like i half the time i'm con conversing is movie quotes and they're like all right enough <laughs> is that from a movie yes it is sorry exactly but, you haven't seen it but it's there I promise. <laughs> exactly but there's that i've there are those movies that like you know i i I go back and watch him and I'm like, what, what do I really love about this? And a lot of them is the scores and, or mm. the silences because you're at that point you said where like, it does pull you yeah. in and you're like, what? Like, Oh my God, it was just like that tense one note, yeah. like, and then it stopped and there's, and it's like, yeah, that is such a cool um, element. And that's, yeah, that, I mean, it sounds like you've got, you've got such a good brain for what you're doing. It was like, you're meant for because of you, the love of movies, not just the sound, but, and your understanding of everything in it is like, that's, it's got to help you. And it clearly does help you in what you're doing for it. And Thank your you. storytelling part. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense now. There's <laughs> like, a lot. Like, there's a lot to learn. That yeah. There's a lot to learn always. And, you know, learning how screenwriting works really helps. Mm. Understanding oh. how editing works, how lighting and camera work. All this stuff is intrinsically connected. And I think it's really yeah. important that anyone that's involved in filmmaking not necessarily has a fundamental understanding of how those other factors work, but at least has an appreciation and a respect for why they are there. Um, because if you don't, it's very easy to think in terms of like, whatever your job is, is the most important job. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it's, it, it's easy. <laughs> yeah. It's easy. It's easy to want to feel like you want your music to be heard. You know, that's something that I cannot lie about. It's like, you want yeah. everything that you're every little bit, every little like morsel of goodness that you're putting into your own work. There, there is that feeling that, gosh, you know, I can't wait for them to hear this one cool little thing that I ran this little drum thing into my, you know, fuzz pedal. And, you know, I hope they <laughs> appreciate that. And, you know, you just can't yeah. think of it that way because, you know, oftentimes the audience won't notice or they won't care. And so that that really kind of goes into my next point that music and film largely needs to be felt more than heard. Mm. Um, that's not to say that we have those music moments, right, where you yeah. know the rest of the sound drops out and the music is leading the charge and it is carrying the scene. But a lot of times, there's music in scenes that you don't even notice. There's music there. Um, yeah. And, and that is sometimes the most challenging music to write is how do we heighten a scene with the performances that are already, you know, if they're crushing it, especially and, and the pacing and the mood and the stillness. And yet the director asks you to put music in here. And even if you're like, Oh my goodness, no, like no music here. And they're like, no, we're going to have music here. You then have to accept the fact that, okay, we're going to create something that moves this in the mm. right direction, but it can't be something that's showy. It can't be something that as soon as you bring in the music, it's going to stick out like a sore thumb, but rather yeah, you almost don't even notice it until it's done type of right. thing. And so there, that's where the music really needs to be felt more than, more than heard. And that's really tricky. That's that that takes yeah. a lot of accepting, okay, that you know, you have to quickly get out of your own head of saying, gosh, I really hope this I can make this sound like this or make this sound like this. And more take of that more simplistic simplistic approach of saying, Goodness, 
the director really wants to show our, our main characters um, denial about the situation that just happened right before. Um, what does denial sound like or feel? Yeah. yeah and feel, what does it feel, feel like. like? Yeah. And that's, and what does it feel like? And what does it sound like is very co contextual to what's already been presented to the story, you know, before that. So you, you kind of have to work your way into that and fold it in and, and make it all, you know, hopefully make sense. Yeah. Being a composer, like hmm. from everything that you've said so far, it's not that different from you're kind of in my ears and my eyes, you're kind of like a third, third um, point of view actor. The composer is is an actor in the film. Just it's not present physically. It's just present in our ears. The omnipresent. The omnipresent. Yeah. You're creating yep. the mood of the world that we're watching. Absolutely, um, and there's the, the the sonic the sonic component to that is is so huge. You know, if even if the film doesn't have a lot of music to begin with. Let's say you just took out the entire dialogue and in sound effects out too, you know, you've, you, you really are put into a place of, Oh wow. Like you, you can't connect with the film unless it has all the right ingredients. Um, yeah. And, and so the music certainly is that kind of third and final piece that kind of gets put in there. I'm also oftentimes, uh, playing the role of the the therapist for the director because <laughs> the director is lives with these films mm. for far longer than I do. Yeah, um, especially if I come into it during post production after they've shot shot it, but they're living with it from you know especially if they're the writer. A lot of times I work with writer directors, so from the point that they've put it you know pen to paper to the time that they've shot it to the time that they've worked with the editors and, and, you know, the sound designers and all this goodness gracious, there's so much stuff that they've had to deal with that by the time they get to me, you know, uh, they're exhausted and yet yeah. they, there's an excitement to it. And it's my job is to keep that excitement to, to bring in that final piece. Um, because in you know the Hans Zimmer has famously said that these directors they go to war you know they're in battle for however many months that they're producing this story um, and bringing it to to the big screen that you know at a certain point you know the the composer is just the one to say hey you know what you're you're almost there we got this yeah. <laughs> my job is my job totally. is to, to make things as uncomplicated for you as possible. Yeah. And so that really is, I mean, and that is, yeah. that, it, that has nothing to do with music. That has a lot to do with just people skills and just being, mm. you know, professional in what you're doing. Don't make, don't be late for your deadlines. You know, if, if right. they, if they tell you we need this piece by tomorrow, boy, you should have a piece by tomorrow. Right. And yeah. if, if, it's a tall order you signed on to it. There's no excuses for you. I mean, barring death, <laughs> you know, you, you, if you've <laughs> been given it, if you've been given a deadline, you should have it. Um, yeah. I work uh, sometimes on the, the, the small production short films that I work on. Sometimes they're like, Oh, there's no deadline. Then I create my own deadlines. I can't not have something to work. Scarier, though? Yeah. Being that we, we, previously met on a on a short for short film which unfortunately didn't go into production it's it's a little better when something has a more rig regimented schedule it's uh, it's scarier it's yeah it's definitely scarier when there is no uh no deadline um yeah. because i think having that deadline is really healthy mm -hmm. it allows you to trust your instincts more uh, it allows you yeah. to learn that, you know, you could live with a piece of music and keep going and keep going, keep going and trying to keep perfecting it. Um, the perfect piece of music for the composer is whatever the best piece of music they, they've written that gets approved within the t 
timeline that they're given. That's that's the best sounding music. It's not it's this is where it's very different than playing in bands where, you know, the band spends, you know, two years working on 12 songs <laughs> and you've got it's a it's a committee of four four people, five people, three people trying arguing as to what, you know, oh, this drum fill, like, you know, or this guitar riff doesn't work here, but the other guitarist wants to put his his uh riff in and it's it's much different for writing music to picture. You you just have to trust the process and you just have to do it. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no yeah. complaining. There's no arguing. I think most composers are pretty laid back in that sense of like, hey, you know what? Don't worry. I got you. We're going to do this. And that's where you establish the trust. That's where you establish, okay, that's why composers and directors create these relationships where they keep coming back to work together because yeah, they've formed sense. a bond that is unlike any other yeah bond that 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 they might come across yeah that's and that's a huge thing in the creative world is finding someone you collaborate well with and it you like it's that feed off energy of just like kind of need you because and we've talked about this every time on the on the podcast we always bring up the you know everybody we try we try and talk to about you know do you like working alone do you and most 98 percent of the people we've talked they're like it's better if i collaborate it's just better for my brain and it's better right. for the, the art and it's and in my experience it's same thing like when i'm drawing i don't um it's just me but at the same time i would argue the the trippy point of I listen to music while I draw. So I am collaborating kind of the, the, the bands that I'm listening to don't know that, but right. in my head, like if I didn't have the music, cause I've sat there and tried to draw in silence and it is, it's just doesn't feel right. It's like, what is the, What is this? Like, yeah, they help you, they help you push forward and, and kind of keep you accountable for what it is that you're trying to do. And that's what my, that's right. I give, I give credit to my directors that I work with. They, without them i wouldn't be writing this music they are my collaborators maybe yeah. i don't work with another person always creating the music but they right. are creating the story and they are um encouraging me to find new sounds to 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 kind of get there um which is yeah. is really cool it's really fascinating and it's um really fun and then yeah sure we'll get you know if, if there's the budget allows for you know, hiring live musicians to play instruments that i can't play even better um you know usually yeah. i have the parts already written out for them but they might they might be able to create a, a, and inspire a sound that i hadn't considered before and that that might unlock pandora's box in another way so um you yeah. know, collaboration is certainly uh welcome and encouraged uh through every part of our process how how many instruments do you play Ooh, proficiently <laughs> <laughs> for a movie uh, for, for a okay um well definitely guitar a lot of what i do though is and for those of you that are not familiar a lot of times with film scores these days um we go through uh, what's called like a mock-up process and this is where you know um we get on our computers on a keyboard and the keyboard, uh, it's a MIDI keyboard, and it triggers um, hmm. samples of real instruments. So highly articulated, highly um, high, the, the highest quality samples of, you know, let's say violins recorded at uh, Air Studios in London or Abbey Road in London or at MGM Studios in, in uh, um, Burbank. And, you know, these are famous places where actual film scores are recorded. Right. And you basically, you know, you purchase these expensive sound libraries. So that way with, with my faders, I can create and emulate those sounds. Um, along with that, then you can blend in um, synthesizers. Um, yeah. You can take... Um, 
basically uh you know guitars um you can take whatever instrument that you want um and 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 i like to create my own instruments and what i mean by that is i will mm. i'll take um you know my my let's say my sparkling water can you can hear this I could record yeah. myself cr crunching that, put that into my computer, process the hell out of it, and create some weird sonic rhythmic thing. Or That's you know, awesome. if I, I could take my um, yeah. wine glass and this episode. I'm sorry, oh I'm yeah, kidding. absolutely. <laughs> you take you take your can, just scrunched, <laughs> just scrunched. I'm I. You could add distortion to it and reverb to it and delay to it and time stretch it and slow it down and pitch it down or pitch it up. And and I love doing that because yeah. the sounds around you can inspire new sounds and new approaches. Um, and in doing that, like a lot of the scores that I've been working on over the last couple of years have a lot of these sounds that I've created. And then what I do is then I put them and sync them into my MIDI keyboard. So then I play a, a note and it triggers that sample of something that I've processed. Oh, wow. And yeah. so I, they awesome. become, they become playable, they become playable instruments. So at that point, um, sounds that you hear on a soundtrack that I've written, you know, then, you know, sure. I play guitar and I can play, you know, the piano a little bit, but now it sounds like I could play a million instruments because it's all being, it's all being stemmed from, um, yeah. you know, all the, the MIDI keyboard mapping that I do. And then I, like, I, I own a cello. I'm, I'm not very good at it. Um, but I will use it mainly for effect sounds, you know, some, yeah. you know, especially on like the horror thriller kind of stuff. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Draw the bow slow, like. <laughs> It's exactly. very effective. It's, <laughs> it works really well. It works really well. Like in the in that um that is my favorite. <laughs> in this in the Sarah in the the soundtrack to Sarah, which um it just came out uh, last week, actually there's a lot of me playing the cello um yeah. in there, and it's and a lot of it is actually I recorded the sounds of me playing the cello, and then I chopped it all up. And oh, put it cool. in the key keyboard, and so the actual playing that you hear, whoa, you know, was me playing it. But then I actually wow. wasn't playing it to picture. I later then would play it on the keyboard whoa. of of those performances that I chopped up, and that was really helpful because I just am not good enough to get on the cello and play it as I'm watching the picture. Um, but then well, you know, there's times that i can hire hire um, musicians um and this is what a lot of the big time budget films do is that once the mock-ups are approved they will replace the sample orchestras that were written that were played in by the composer and the real orchestra will okay will play huh. it on a lot wow. of the stuff that i do you have to make it sound as real as possible because you just don't have the budget to hire a full orchestra um, yeah. usually I'll have enough budget though, to hire some, uh, like a, one cellist and one violin player. And, and then I can blend the samples with the live sound. So it creates a live textural, real feeling to it. That's incredible. What a fun, I mean, that oh the, the level of creativity is that's awesome. That just, that's inspiring to me to hear that just cause it, I love hearing that stuff. That's finding new ways to make something out of something else. It's like, yeah, it's the repurposing. It's like, Oh, what could I do with that? Kind of. And I guess I'd say like, well, you could probably get into Foley art pretty easily at this point. Like with, your Oh, knowledge. totally. Totally. You, you could totally get into Foley art <laughs> if I wanted to. Those dudes are so <laughs> fun to watch. You, you know, I watched the guy that did the uh, Ratatouille Foley art and he had, it's just, you wouldn't it's cool that he showed it he's like let me show you what i was using and it's it's fascinating i love that you know finding new ways around old things and tuning your or you know training your radar to and your antenna to look at things differently 
Oh, definitely. If you were a fly on the wall, you would probably assume I was a Foley artist half the time because I'm recording these <laughs> sounds as if I was going to be just using it for the film yeah. as the natural sound that I recorded. But then I spend I've actually gotten pretty quick at it. Like, you know, you you hear something in that sound. It's like, oh, I know exactly what I Oh, that's cool. what, what's yeah. possible out of that. When I first started out. You know, I didn't know what was possible. So, you know, I might spend two days with living with one sound. Now I try to, you know, on, when I'm on a deadline, I'll record, you know, eight different sounds. And within the same night, I've created, you know, 12 different instruments out of those eight sounds. So the next day, I've already got a whole new sound set that no one's ever heard before. This is completely unique to that film and that's what usually what i'll do i will rarely reuse the same sounds for the next project because i wow. want every film to have its own signature sound um on top of the so melodies simmer tiktok <laughs> oh oh there's some oh there's definitely some tiktoks and some stuff uh but but i a lot of times i'm creating my own tiktoks um rather than you know just buying a sound that that does it yeah. so um but that's usually if the director's like i need a tiktok sound here yeah. you, you know you. then then you kind of have to do it yeah. oh man um, well, we hit our hour mark. How are you feeling? Do you, we can wrap up? Um, good, good. Yeah. If you have any last, last questions, I can, I, I got maybe like five, five minutes or so. Okay. Um, God, you, you were too good at answering all the, like, it, <laughs> I, I didn't even, ha I'm looking at my sheet of questions. It's like, no, you nailed them all. Um, except the one I didn't write down. And this is just a fun throwaway question. Do you have a favorite beverage while you're writing music to drink? Like, my buddy who is a metal artist, he, he does sculpt metal sculptures. He's, he's like, I wish I could be sponsored by LaCroix water. <laughs> Cause he's like, I drink cases of it while I'm working. I'm like, that's cool. Well, may keep posting it, like post pictures with you. And then maybe right. be like, oh, we'll give, we'll give you a free case or two. My favorite water or sorry, my favorite drink that I, that I consume <laughs> while I work is either water. Um, I'm okay. I'm not necessarily partial to still or sparkling. It, it It's just kind of whatever's cold. Um, or if I know it's going to be a long night, uh, definitely coffee. So I coffee. Tip, I typically work when I compose 95% of the time I'm working um, in the evenings. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, if I know it's going to be a deadline week and I, I have to be pushing through um all you know at eight o'clock at night i will definitely brew some coffee and and drink some because it does affect me um and usually i'm able it, it affects me in the sense that like it keeps my brain stimulated but it typically doesn't keep me up after like when i'm done i can still oh, that's good. go to yeah. go to sleep so when you're done, you're done. <laughs> yeah, it usually works. But then usually if that happens the next morning, if I'm really tired and, and I get up, my kids get up at, you know, 530 every morning. So there's that. Um, so okay. if I've been up, if I've been up till one in the morning and they're going to be up at 530 or six and I get up with them, I generally do not drink coffee till the afternoon um, because okay. coffee does f affect me negatively. I will get the jitters oh. and anxiety. Yeah. So I just drink a ton of water. So I usually go water heavy. Yeah. It, you have like a or, coffee hangover. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I kind of have a coffee hangover and I'll just, so the coffee's more reserved for the evening times, which is a little odd, but it seems That's to work so well for, for my workflow. <laughs> I hope you drink espresso at least like Spanish style. <laughs> I should. I'm lazy though. I I, I drink. I, I don't drink uh, the fun stuff like I probably should. Mainly mainly because then I would all I'd want to do is sit and relax. And when you're working, yeah. you, there's no time to totally. relax. There's time yeah. to stay focused. And I yeah. drink whatever's going to keep me focused. There you go. It's meticulous, meticulous work. I applaud you. It's, yeah, it's it's my favorite genre, and and I'm I'm stoked, I'm so stoked to listen to your work and to continue watching your artistic growth. 
Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate that. And, you know, this is, this is a, a, you know, a journey uh, for, for myself. And, you know, I want to encourage anyone listening that regardless of their goal in, in storytelling or just creative arts in, in general, that if you're willing to put the work in, you know, really great things can, can come about, you know, be a people person, you know, really be collaborative and work your ass off. I mean, that's, if 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 there was any advice that I could take to heart when I first started is just don't expect not to work hard because that is when the best things come to you. I am not that person that says, Oh, I'm just going to wait till it comes to me. There's no time for that. Your best work is the work that you are able to produce on the days when you don't think you have any ideas. And if you can push yeah. past that, that's oftentimes when the best ideas come. And yeah. you've cut down your time from waiting a year to write your masterpiece to um, you know, one evening where you wrote something that might not be your masterpiece, but it's what gets approved. And it's what yeah. fits the story and it fits what you were hired for. That's awesome, man. Well, we certainly appreciate your time and we'd definitely love to have you back on. And um, maybe next round we can. We'll be watching for- Sarah. Forget. Yeah, we'll definitely watch- we definitely are going to watch those movies. And then maybe next time we can just nerd out on Star Wars because I see your shirt <sighs> and I'm like. Don't this even is the get way. me started <laughs> right um, now. <laughs> oh, dude, that's bad. Oh, I want to get a yes. That's yeah, we'll awesome. talk. Wait, I've, I've I've got more to show you, but um, we'll okay. we'll we'll save that for another time. Is it a butt tattoo? No, it's no. I don't have no. They're all right here. <laughs> I, I awesome. I didn't watch Star Wars until like a year and a half ago. And then uh, I know it's Josh. okay. I know, Josh, <laughs> but then I became an obsessive fan. I just Perfect. went deep, deep, deep down into that sinkhole. All right. Well, let's 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 plan it. We'll do it. That'll be awesome. Oh, I'm so down. Cool, Brooks. Brooke, thanks again, man. Thank Absolutely. you, Brooke. I awesome. appreciate you guys having me. And um, honestly, you know, keep up the hard work and the great work. And I'm excited to uh, to come on again in the future with you guys. Hell yeah. Absolutely, man. That'd be awesome. Cool. Well, have a good rest of the night, man. Appreciate right. you. Thank you. Thank hey, you. Bye. Bye. All right.